Hello and welcome once again to Pudding Ain't Easy. And it's our season finale review of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I'm your host, Carl Pierce, And with me, as always, is the Reaver... Um, <laughs> it's the, the Reaver Grand Inquisitor to my real Grand Inquisitor. It's Scott McLeod, everybody. No, no, Carl. I have never once stabbed you in one of your many stomachs. <laughs> but I have tried to usurp you as the unofficial leader of Team Godfather on many occasions, and it has backfired. <laughs> so, Scott, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Obviously, a lot's going on in the world uh, of Disney Plus. There is so a lot for us to talk about. I'm very much looking forward to talking about talking about this. Yeah, it's um, a really good episode. I think it ties up things quite nicely and leads into um, A New Hope quite nicely as well, without leaving too many sort of continued, continue, I can say, the continuity errors. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, which was the one thing we were afraid of. <laughs> My retcon a few things but uh luckily i think we've avoided that mostly mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think obviously there's all still the speculation from the people obviously will be uh, obviously you mcgregor said that he is open to do a season two and like people from lucas fall basically like oh yeah we might do a season two you know if there's a demand for it like basically they don't want to say okay we might do a season two if there's the money in it <laughs> and you mcgregor doesn't want to say if i get paid for it then yeah, and he also probably doesn't want to say, no, I'm sick of it now, because that'd be a dickhead thing to say. I mean, the ratings were really good for this, but I, I don't think they could bring Darth Vader into it unless unless um, Darth Vader's got his own sort of like B-plot to follow, because we certainly can't have another confrontation, because, you know, as it, as it said... In A New Hope, you know, they haven't met each other for a long time, so I think any less than nine years is going to be going to be pushing things a little bit personally. So, um, I don't know, maybe maybe there are other stories to tell, but uh, I think they might have to go in a slightly different direction. Yeah, I mean, I think Vader has enough uh, to fill in the gaps between the end of this series and the start of a new hook. Also, we know he pops up in Rebels for a bit. Uh, also, he's appeared in the he appeared at least in the first Fallen Order game. We don't know if he'll maybe pop up in the the new Fallen Order game. I think it's meant to be set around the time that this series is is happening. So you never know if he pops up in that. So we know where his where he's up to. And I think you can need to leave Obi One give alone because you know, like you said, not they've done a good job not figuring out like, the continuity and the timeline that we've come to know between prequels, everything that's happened here, original trilogy, stuff like that. Because I think it seemed like Obi-Wan to go back into you know, being on his own for a while at the end of the series. And you know, it was fit in if he didn't really interact with many people between now and A New Hope because you know one of his first things he said, like, I've not heard the name Obi-Wan in a long time, which would mean that he's not talked to many people who know who he is in a long time. Yeah, exactly, and he's sort of 
I think it's sort of reference that he's a bit of a sort of loner and a hermit as well in mm-hmm. uh, A New Hope. I think the money could be in like uh, a Darth, you know, Darth Vader spin-off, perhaps. You know, some of the things he's done for himself or for the, you know, for the Emperor. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe hunting down the Jedi that the Inquisitors couldn't cope with or, or, or some such. Yeah, I think like been, there's been several comic books over the years uh, looking at some Darth Vader stuff like between episode three and this and like other time periods. So definitely think you could look at that, like how he, you know, what he was doing between uh, the two films, like also not just appearing in Rebels and trying to take out Jedi, but other things, how he basically let go of the last little bits of, of Anakin Skywalker and... You know, because obviously he was still sad about Padme when they first put him in the suit, but eventually he had to obviously forgo his attachments. And I've heard in some of the comment, comics they kind of explore the idea that he doesn't like the Inquisitors, especially he doesn't like Grand Inquisitor, uh, which you kind of got a bit of a, a, a sign of in this season uh, at the end of this episode, like we're in like the middle of this episode where they're basically going to business and like, oh, we can't hunt down one lone Jedi and you know, we just like uh, ignore you. Basically, we're, the ship goes where I say. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care when you got started. I don't care that you're standing here now. Why? Say goes. Pretty much, pretty much. So, anyway, Scott, before we get into things, apparently you've got some news for us. So, uh, even I don't know what this exclusive news is. So, uh, why not let us in for it, Scott? I like to keep up to date with announcements regarding, uh, like, shows that we may or may not be interested in like covering and obviously when there's a trailer coming out we also need to Valley to look at any updates and uh and shit like that we rumors are going out there and sticking with you mcgregor who we were just talking about a bit ago uh the rumor and innuendo is uh going around that he uh, may not be involved in the star wars universe uh, anytime soon but there's a chance he's not, he's not been officially announced but it's been heavily speculated uh, by some people who won't confirm their sources that Ewan McGregor may be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a upcoming Phase 4 project. All right, that'd be cool. Yeah, be yeah. interesting yeah. to see um, who we would play and whatnot, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm all for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we saw him in the DC Universe in that Birds of Prey film. He played uh, Black Bask. In that film, some people didn't like his version of the character. I I enjoyed it. It's actually, the last film I wanted to see before the bloody pandemic, which feels like forever ago. But yeah, like obviously, we know up until like start next year with like the Marvels and the Ant Man, the third Ant Man film coming out. Uh, but I think there's still a lot planned after that we don't yet know about. So it could be something that they've not even announced yet that they could uh, they could put you McGregor into. So. I thought I'd slide the story in, you know, so we could basically, you know, wild speculation and then get annoyed when it doesn't happen the way we exactly planned it out. <laughs> well, he's a very versatile actor, so um, mm-hmm. you know he could play a villain or a or a hero, for, you know, mm-hmm. whatever really. Yeah, I don't think we get a chance to see him much as a a villain. I think he's often cast as like the good guy or the, the protagonist mm-hmm. and the stuff he he appears in. So if he wanted to play a villain. I think that'd be very interesting. I think given that he's getting a bit grey 
and his hair. And because we've seen that he looks good with a with a beard. I wouldn't mind him if they decided to, you know, I know everybody wants John Krasinski, but if they wanted to do this rebooted Fantastic Four with him as like Reed Richards, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, you could go that direction, but uh, it, it does look like um, the other actor would probably get it by, by mm. the looks of things. Yeah, I just think it would be interesting because it would be a hell of a name to, to give that part to, but you know, part of me thinks that maybe they're going to do like what the MCU is known for doing, like they did with Robert Downey Jr. and uh, the Iron Man role, even at the start, where basically they take a character that maybe a lot of people outside of comic fans don't know about that they're going to introduce soon, and maybe by giving it to a name like Hugh McGregor adds, uh, maybe adds credibility to that character. Yeah, definitely. That that would that would certainly work. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on who they were to bring to life, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't think we'll see him uh, in anything MCU really until some at least like late next year because obviously this is still in the rumor stage, so also they have the first have to announce who he's playing and what he's going to be in. Mm. Yeah, so could it be a film, could it be like a Disney Plus like series. So who knows what it's going to be? Uh, sticking with Disney Plus series, I've got a few other stories. Uh, and or the uh, the next big Star Wars related project. Uh, I saw a little story. I didn't really mean to bring it here, but I, found, I saw it when I was looking at other stories that I was going to get to in a second. But uh, they announced for the first seven of the 12 episodes who the, the writers for the series are going to be. It's just a little thing where I thought it was interesting. Uh, Tony Gilroy, who's the showrunner of the show, will write the first four episodes. And how that's interesting is, well, actually, Tony Gilroy was referenced in... Uh, the Boys episode one of season three, you know, and that university claimed that he helped the reshoots of that Dawn of the Seven film, which isn't just obviously a joke about the Zack Snyder and the Justice League and the reshoots of that, but apparently it's a reference to real life where Tony Gilroy is credited for handling a lot of the reshoots uh, for Rogue One, even though he wasn't the official director of the film. The film director was Gareth Edwards. I think it's interesting that he handled the reshoots for Rogue One and is going to be the showrunner and writer for some of the episodes, given that Andor is for all intents and purposes a, a Rogue One prequel. Ah, right. That would be pretty interesting. I, I didn't realise that bit of information. So, yeah. It, it was, a, as we said before, it was a show I was ever excited about. But after seeing the trailer, it, it looks like it it might have more to it than uh, I first imagined. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tony's brother, Dan, were at episodes five and six. And apparently, Dan wrote and directed a film I'm a big fan of that came out in the last decade, uh, Nightcrawler. I don't know if you've seen it. It starred uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I've not seen it, but I, I do know the film you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also stars uh, Riz Ahmed, who, who also appeared in Rogue One, ironically, uh, as his wee assistant. So, yeah, he's he's getting involved in the writing. And also, they said episode seven will be, I uh, hope I pronounced the last name right, Stephen Schiff is going to write season seven. I looked him up. His biggest writing credit is he wrote the 2010 sequel to Wall Street. So you can, I've not seen the film. So if that's a good thing or a bad thing, someone will have to let me know. Uh, I think it's a bad thing from what I've heard. <laughs> okay, so maybe episode seven won't be the strongest series, but episode of the series, but I'll be right in the midpoint. So every every episode's got to have that little period. Yeah, but you know, it's not always the director's fault that um, a film doesn't work out. Sometimes it's casting or the script just wasn't that great to start with. 
And some some directors do do better with TV than they do with film. So uh, you never know. What's interesting is given that obviously at the start of A New Hope, they basically there's a throwaway line in that film where they basically say that the Senate is officially all but disbanded. But it seems like in Kenobi and in this show, there's still some remnants of the Senate there. So rumor has it, also the Empire's grown in power that you uh, McDermott is teasing that he is going to potentially appear in Andor as the Emperor. And apparently also recently teased when asked about if he'd appear in Kenobi. And we all know, as we're going to talk about later on, he did appear in Kenobi, so... He did? <laughs> I know. I know he, he, was, he was blinking, you'll miss it, but... So, also, we talked about uh, some big names in terms of actors cast for this show, but... You know, in terms of big names in the world of Star Wars, you know, you can't get you can get fewer bigger than you know the Emperor himself. No, you, you cannot indeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've heard this and how true it is, but I was seeing rumours uh, a week or so ago that Pierce Brosnan has been cast in something Star Warsy. Hmm. Very interesting. Oh. <laughs> I would like it also because I know I think Ian McDermott's getting up there in years, uh, and I know I don't think Pierce Brosnan's uh, that much younger. But uh, I would like it if, like, if they got a, they, I would like them to adventure to a series like based on like the Dark Plagues kind of because you see a, a younger Palpatine, but also Palpatine's always looked older when you see him in live action. But you know, Pierce Brosnan something Palpatine really. Did, I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, that could be quite cool. And they could do something based on the Darth Plagueis book, because that was quite a interesting read. Yeah, although I think uh, I remember there was a show that they not we know how many details, but there's a, a show planned called Acolyte, which is things getting meant to delve into some stuff, stuff which I've heard might feature some stuff from Plagueis. So you never know. Uh, and the final thing I want to talk about. Is, and I think this one has, does have a strong chance, even though it's not officially being confirmed. It was first talked about by Christian Harloff of the Schmodern, and he appears on shows like Collider. Uh, he talks about, he heard it from very trusted sources that this was being rumoured and talked about. There's a uh, chances we will see Cameron Monaghan as Kel Kestis in a live-action series based on the Jedi Fallen Order character in games. Oh, right. Well, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very easy to kind of get him in for that part because he's still young enough. They do, if you see the things, they do create a bit of motion capture stuff for putting that game together. It's not just people talking to a microphone. So the character is basically designed to to look like him. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it would work. It would work really well. That would yeah, that would be something cool if if they did go down that route. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, there's a sequel game coming out, uh, I think maybe next year it comes out, Jedi Survivor. So I'm wondering if maybe the series will bridge a gap between games or maybe we'll decide to just do two games and then whatever comes next in his story, they'll, they'll do through this show. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe it depends how far apart the games are. But yeah, if there's a, a few years between them, you, you could fill that gap with uh, a series if, if you wanted to. Yeah, I think it would definitely be interesting to see where his story, you know, ends up because, you know, he was a Padawan during Order 66 and then the games take place between Episode 3 and the original trilogy, but 
obviously he's a fairly new character, so also the question will be, well, how can we never heard of a character like him during the original trilogy? So we may figure out what happened to him in that character. Yeah, definitely. No, certainly be quite cool and interesting. So yeah, that's all the stories I kind of have. A very Star Wars themed one, you know, not by design. It just so happened that I saw these kind of pop up when I was when I was online and looked more into them. I thought, oh, this will be interesting to talk about because you know if it is true, obviously we may talk about Andor in some way. It'd be interesting to know obviously who's behind it and who might appear in it. And obviously, I think we're both very interested in anything that will continue the uh, the Fallen Order games. Yeah, definitely. It was. Quite, it was a really good game, actually. It didn't take me a little while to really get into it when I first started playing it, but uh, once I got into it, yeah, it was uh, a really enjoyable game. of the best Star Wars games I've done. Yeah, it didn't take me a while to get into, into the story. It took me ages to figure out how to fucking play it and not die. Like yes. Even the opening level when you're you're running through the wherever this site that he's working at and you're just going from one place to the other, just trying not to... The many times you have to jump off walls, and many times it took me not to fall off and die. <laughs> like I've not yeah. even got, to, I've not even got to use my lightsaber yet. Yeah, I, I had that problem too, pressing the wrong button or not figuring out how to cling to walls and die, and and also traversing some of the levels because it, it's not the uh, obvious where you're meant to go. So, like certain uh, certain levels, I was running around in circles quite a bit trying to figure out where I should be going. Mm-hmm. Which was annoying me. Yeah. So, I mean, I've played. I've not even. I've. I've still. I'd be lying if I said I finished Fallen Order. Like, I played a fair bit of it, but I never got around to to finishing it. Which is why I don't buy many video games because it will take. I will finish them, but it will take me a while because I'm not very good at them. <laughs> and you know, it's fitting it in with your a thousand and one podcasts as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I re- the, other than Fallen Order, the only real like, like the newest games I've gotten into were like the the new Spider Man games, like the Spider Man, and then the Miles Morales one that followed it. I was really into those. Uh, I bought that Avengers PS4 game. Was very bad at it. Couldn't get past the the halfway point of the Hulk level. Uh, and then when I stopped playing it for a while, all I heard was people talking nothing but shit about the game. So I thought, oh well, it's not just me then. <laughs> so yeah, I don't feel like I wasted the money of whoever bought the game for me. <laughs> oh, at least you didn't pay for it yourself, so you yeah. know, that's that. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if this shows my lack of knowledge about video game consoles and everything. Maybe, maybe I just it shows I don't pay attention to things. Like I was going over with my brother's uh, the other last month, and I was going to be staying there for a few days. And so he's got an Xbox, and I don't use it, but I'm more of a PS guy. So I went to CX, and I'd say, you know, get a game, like a a pre-owned version of a game I've already played, and just play that for a little bit if I get bored. And so I bought, like, the deluxe edition of the first DC Injustice game. Bought that, only to cost me a fiver. Went to my brother's, my brother looked at the case and went, you know what this is for Xbox 360? And I went, yeah. He went, I've got an Xbox One. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Didn't even oh, notice the difference in logos. <laughs> oh, Scott! I mean, supposedly some Xbox people can play an Xbox One, but I didn't feel like potentially breaking my brother's 
aka my brother's controller and everything, trying to work that out. So anyway, once a pre-owned uh, copy of Injustice, the Ultimate Edition, uh, hit me up. DMA at Scotland in 1986. <laughs> ah. Unlucky, anyway. Scott. Unlucky. <laughs> I am very unlucky. Much like the Third City was very unlucky throughout the course of this series. Yes, she was just a little bit. So, are we ready to get stuck into the main course, the the podcast? Do you think? I think so. I think we've I think we've teased the people long enough. Yeah. So, okay. Obi Wan wins the end. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> So, no. Um, so the episode interestingly opens up um, in Tatooine, and mm-hmm. um, we see our old friend from the, the meatpacking place or whatever it was where um, Obi-Wan was working in the uh, the first episode. There's a queue for water or something by mm-hmm. the looks, and he just pushes himself to the front and shouts his catchphrase, you've got something to say. <laughs> um, a familiar cloaked figure intervenes um, which would be Reva so she's there, she's made her way to Tatooine and um, yeah she uses the force on the on on the uh, the rude guy and um, looks like she's going to question the guy handing out the water who's um, where um Uncle Lars and Barua. So um, mm-hmm. quite a, quite a good. Uh, we had a feeling she was going to make her way there and um, search out Luke Skywalker, and that's exactly how they opened up the episode. So good cold open for you. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, I don't think we need to really see how she got uh, to Tatooine from wherever they were wherever they were hiding uh, after she got stabbed. So, you know, that she got there, they showed that she obviously tied this bandage and she kept reaching for her abdomen where she's obviously still mm. not 100% after being stabbed by Vader. Uh, I think she's very lucky when she questioned the guy, like, I'm looking for a farmer named Owen. She's lucky that Owen is clearly not um, the popular name on Tatooine, <laughs> given that she was immediately sent to uh, the right one. Or maybe... You know, maybe it was, it was like the first Terminator. There were like four Owen Lars uh, who had families, and she had to kill all of them just to make yeah. sure. Yeah, she just had to go through the interstellar phone box to uh, <laughs> to find them all. But yeah, already in the first few moments of um, episode six, um, Reva is selling more than an ADW wrestler. <laughs> Well, here comes buddy Carl Cornett here talking about these young whippersnappers who don't sell it no more. Oh, back in my day. A drop kick was the highest spot and they got five stars. <laughs> well, it bloody well was, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's still real to Carl. Back in my day, Canadian destroyer. Hadn't even been invented yet, let alone being a transitional move. A Canadian destroyer is what you call someone who wanted to bomb Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
But then we end up on um, Vader's Star Destroyer and they're in hot pursuit of um, Obi-Wan and um, all the sort of fleeing um, rebels and, and whatnot. He's they're firing lasers at it and uh, get some good shots of the on the ships. And, uh, yeah, it's all pretty cool. And um, back on the sort of the rebel ship, Obi-Wan's kind of decided that um, they're not, Vader's not going to give up, but he's after him. So maybe he should uh, split up and divert Vader away so the others, the others can escape. And he sort of gives a rousing speech to why everyone else is more you know, important. They're, they're the future of the galaxy. And um, it's time for him to return the favour to them after they've helped so many Jedi that he should um, do something to pay them back and lure and uh, Vader away is what he plans to do. Uh, obviously, uh, a young, the young Princess Leia is pretty upset about this and she's not too keen for everyone to abandon her. Mm-hmm. You know, just simple, you can see why her and like Broken and we don't want him to leave. But it's weird how many other people on the ship, even though they just met him, uh, and they, they did, and being there did lead to the Empire killing quite a few people and their group, including Tala. Uh, they suddenly all for let him stay, even though, like, even though when he explains that it, it's still fairly reasonable, like, yeah, either I stay on this ship and you all get blown up, or I maybe just die and you can all escape. So I don't know why they're, they're fighting them on it. So it was like, makes sense to me why he's, he's the way he was the one these people to get you know, free and he's, you know, sacrificing himself as the Jedi's want to do because he, he knows he, there's a chance he might die if he faces Anakin again. Uh, it is very reminiscent of the small ship getting fired on. It is very reminiscent of the opening to, uh, mm. to A New Hope. I thought that. I think there's a lot of sort of callbacks and uh, foreshadowing to... Um different shows and and films throughout the uh, series, to, to mm-hmm. be fair. And, uh, yeah, so um, Leia offers to to give him Lola, but I think he turns her down, doesn't he? Um, I, think, I think he said it joking, like, she said he has a little next energy, like, she was, he saw that she was letting one of the other uh, kids hold her, she's like, oh, she makes people feel you know, less afraid, mm. he jokes, maybe I should borrow her. Uh, so then she ends up sneaking it on his person, and he doesn't realise mm. until after he's already left. And uh, he gives, before he goes, he, he gives her a, a gun holster, <laughs> and uh, she she bemoans that it's empty. <laughs> he just, he just retards. Uh, I wasn't going to give you an actual blaster, eh? you're 10 years old. <laughs> I believe it's also Talos one because you can see the markings on it, which I think was a nice kind of touch. Uh, mm. And she, and he does say that one day it will be, so he knows that also, like, like I think part of the reason, again, he says about them being the future, like, people like them and, and Broken can one day, you know, like, stand up to the Empire. And I think he can tell that she, like her, her father, will be somebody who wants to, to fight against him, which she ends up doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can already see from um, 
the young Leia that, that you know she'll grow up to be the princess in episode yeah uh, episode four a new hope she's already got a lot of those qualities even at um 10 years old sort of at times reminds me of um was it Leilana Mormont, that that young ten year old from Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's the one you're talking about. I think that's, I think that's it. I think I got the I'm not sure if I got the name quite right. It's been a while since I've watched it, but uh yeah. yeah. So I see a few similarities between between that character. But uh yeah. So in the end, um Obi Wan um escapes in his little shuttle and as we um, as he predicted Vader uh, decides to pursue him and not the others even though the Grand Inquisitor tries to persuade him otherwise saying that you know he can't just go after the one Jedi we need to carry on following the others and they might lead us to their base of operations but uh, Vader doesn't care about that. He he only wants his revenge on Obi Wan. Yeah, he he doesn't justify his decision like uh, as a Grand Wizard. The idea of like how they should keep on following in that, you know, they might lead us to like the other because he knows a bigger network of of rebels kind of growing, and if they lead them back there, then they can wait them all out. The one which, in the long run, uh does backfire and it's a decision not to follow them when you think about it with Vader but obviously it shows just how much uh, of Anakin there still is inside Darth Vader and how much Obi-Wan still you know, can predict what his apprentice is going to do but also as I said I referenced earlier on shows basically there's still a, some tension there between uh, Vader and the Grand Inquisitor and Vader really doesn't care what the Grand Inquisitor has to say no, no, definitely. He's Vader's in charge, and he's going to do what he, you know, he wants to do, um, unless um, obviously his master, the the Emperor, gets involved. I think that's mm-hmm. the only that's the only sort of person that Vader is going to obey. Um, yeah, and also sort of um, spliced in between these goings on, we get a bit more in Tatooine as well. Um, we see Luke and uh, Owen like some sort of repair or scrap shop looking for bits for something Luke's apparently broke. Uh, <laughs> the guy from the first uh, the first scene shows up. Owen, Owen, I've got I've got something to tell you. So he obviously warns them that. Um, this Inquisitor is after is after Owen and uh, and Luke in particular. So where well, they quickly run run back to their their home basically, and um, they sort of tell Luke to hide himself while they sort of fend him off together. And he says something about. Um, Obi-Wan not being there and, and Peru's like, well, whose fault is that? Which I thought was quite a, <laughs> quite a funny yeah. exchange. Yeah, I think she, Peru's a lot more understanding, like, thing like we needed him, like there was a kind of time when we needed him. But then also, apparently she's one of the, you know, end-of-the-world survivalists as old uh, Peru, because she's suddenly got weapons hidden all around. <laughs> yeah. which, uh, which I think is actually fair enough that uh, they gave her that scene because 
you know, in the original trilogy, she's this old woman who doesn't get that many lines and basically disagrees with everything Owen says, and then she kind of stands there and doesn't say much in Attack of the Clones, so it gave her, like, something at least to make her a memorable character, other than yeah. just being horribly murdered in A New Hope. <laughs> yeah, it's nice they gave, they gave uh, Youngbury something something to do there, which was, um, as you said, pretty cool. And um, going back to to Obi-Wan and Vader, Obi-Wan lands on some unknown dark planet, and unless you know what the planet is, Scott, you always seem to, to know these things. I usually do look these up, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, although I think with me, one of the cases where I don't even think they uh, bother to mention because there there's a rare occasion where they don't even mention the planet. Uh, I, I don't think this is one of those times, so, you know, I guess it's a case of like oh, we just need a set piece, <laughs> so um, they're not planning on they're not planning on visiting this kind of planet ever again. Vader has Vader obviously follows uh, in his shuttle, and as as the seemingly is obligatory in the TV these days, everything has to be dark, all dark, <laughs> <laughs> both in tone and in literal darkness. Yes. <laughs> Perhaps they just can't, you know, perhaps they want to save money on lighting or something in, in these programmes. I, I don't know. <laughs> your, your guess is a good thing. I mean, it did create a decent, you know, uh, look with uh, the mace mostly being lit by their lightsabers, you know. I don't know, like, there's a lot of parallels to make here, both intentionally and probably unintentionally, but, you know, you can maybe accredit this as a callback to that brief scene in Attack of the Clones where the lights kind of go out and Dooku and Anakin are only lit by their lightsabers. It, it is a cool effect, actually, to mm-hmm. to just see um, the characters and the, the sort of surroundings lit up by just the lightsaber light, and um, mm-hmm. it's, it, which is quite cool when you got your your own sort of toy lightsaber to prat around with as well. To be to be fair, but uh, yeah, and. Um, Obi-Wan is waiting for Vader and the rematch of the century occurs. So, uh, Carl, what was that about maybe the second fight being the one from uh, from the last episode and maybe we wouldn't get another fight between these two in the finale? Yeah, well, I was wrong, wasn't I? <laughs> Thankfully as well. Yeah, I was going to say, just as, just as long as you're willing to admit it. Yeah, yeah, true. And uh, I just thought I'd point out that this, this episode did come in a little bit under 90 minutes. Well, I said it was the rumour that it was 90 minutes. I didn't <laughs> it would say that it would be. But I was I was shocked because, like, the book of Boba Fett finale got, like, an hour. Uh, manuscript, maybe about 50, 55 minutes. This got, like, 48 minutes, I think, was around about the runtime, which surprised me and it kind of made me a bit nervous before I clicked play on Disney Plus to... Like, are they going to be able to get it all in? Yeah, they got it all in. I think they would have made it longer if, uh, if you know, it warranted it. But um, I, I think all the way through the episodes have been um, well, well paced, and um, not too much, you know, not too much filler and un- unnecessary expedition or, or dialogue bolted in. So. Um, yeah, I was. I've been more than half of the run lengths and uh, what each episode have have given us, and um, yeah, as we get to the back to the scene in hand, uh, Vader seems to have the upper hand uh, 
in the fight to begin with. Um, obviously, we've got to put the hero in peril, so that, that kind of makes sense from a storyline perspective. And also back in Tatooine, um, again, we're in darkness. <laughs> Reva is, um, found, has found um, the last household, and she is... Um, Sort of breaks into pursue and find Luke and Luke and uh, Owen. He said Luke again. Uh, Owen and Baru start um, firing at her, and uh, a bit of so, sort of a bit of a battle ensues, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically them defend, trying to defend themselves. Mm. Even obviously, a lot of the weapons that they do have. Work better at distance because also they prove once they get close, nothing they really have can defend them against a lightsaber. Because I can't remember what it was that he held up, but Owen held some up and can't defend his cells. He just cuts it right in half. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, like the obviously, I think we learned in Boba Fett that the Sand people aren't always as, as bad as people think, but obviously, uh, people like Owen and, and that obviously don't think too highly of the Sand people. so basically lied to look a bit why he's hiding as basically saying that there are sound people nearby or something like that yeah yeah not perhaps I had to tell him the truth that a crazed um inquisitor is after him so mm-hmm. um but in the end you just sort of break through their defenses and um Luke has to run for his life yeah uh they do, they do it's quite decent and I think obviously the, it would have been over a lot quicker had obviously Reva not been stabbed in the previous episode I think if she was at full strength she probably would have she probably would have you know swiftly dealt with the, the large couple and look yeah because uh, I mean just sort of notice a favour in uh, her stomach or wherever she was stabbed and he just sort of give her a bit of a, a jab there to buy, him, buy himself a bit of time but in the end, she just get the the better of him, and as, as we said, Luke has to sprint away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, running doesn't do much for uh, for Reva's injury, so it doesn't mean that Luke does manage to create some distance as well. Yeah, yeah, he might have got away if he hadn't fallen over. But I suppose was that dark? He probably just couldn't see where he was going. Bless him. I could barely see what was happening, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it was a decent, uh, like, we joke about the set piece for like, the Vader fight. You know, the way it was kind of put together did seem very much like something it could have, they could have easily put into episode one of the animated shows. So like, there's that shot where it's overhead a little bit. And, you know, you can see like, the flashes of the lightsabers kind of clashing together. Uh, also, like, again, to a bit parallels, but uh, they get a call back almost to the episode three fight where Vader asks him, is he here to destroy him? And he says, I'll do it, I must. And Vader says, then you will die, rather than you will try, which, uh, mm. which Anakin said. Like, and to be fair, Anakin, he, he gave it a bloody good try, because he thought he'd all but left you for dead. He cut you, he got half your limbs off and left you to burn. I think he says something similar um, to Ahsoka as well, and that in their face-off. Um, and there's another little, obviously, which we'll get to, similarity between this and his fight with Ahsoka as well in uh, Star Wars Rebels. 
I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure she says um, something. I, I won't leave you this time, and he says, "Then you will die." So, um, you know, he's, he, Vader's got his catchphrases as well, by the looks of it. And um, can't be asked about anything more creative, man. Ah, you know, he's um, mostly cyborg nowadays, isn't he? Bless him. So. Perhaps the burn settled his brain a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, he wasn't, uh, yeah. coming, he wasn't exactly coming out with class lanes before he got burned. I mean, what was that? I mean, that sand stuff, uh, his exhibit <clears> A. <throat> hey, as we proved on a podcast before, that was great dialogue. <laughs> no, it was, great, it was great dialogue when you said it, but he Christensen, <laughs> not so much. So, yes, we are saying it officially here. You heard it here first. Carl is a better actor than Hayden Christensen. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I don't think so. Anyway. He seems he does seem to improve the fair bit. I do think what little he did, he, he did quite well in um, this series. To be fair to him, mm-hmm. but we sort of see um, Vader get the upper hand on Obi Wan, pretty much like we've seen in. Um, a bit of a flashback here his, his aggressive style sort of beating everyone into submission and he tries to um, sort of push him down like a bit of a hole or something where a lot of people are sort of they finally got the high ground <laughs> and then he sort of tried to use the force to uh, try and bury him under a lot of stone and rubble which did look like it had worked for a I sp- you know, for a minute or two, and he sort of got out. You really thought you could defeat me, uh, and then he walks off, and then um, we cut the way back to some of the stuff on Tatooine, which we've um, covered for now. So um, we go back and we see sort of everyone struggling uh, under all this sort of rubble and that, but he manages to use the force to push it. Um, push it away and free himself and he goes back after Vader who, um, as he's walking away, realises that Obi-Wan's behind him and uh, he turns back around and they they face off once more but this time um, like a renewed Obi-Wan gains the upper hand in in this fight and he starts sort of, which I think is quite a clever move that sort of attacking um, some of the panels on Vader's suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is something I don't think really I think has ever actually tried when you think about it, where it really should be when you're fighting Vader. But honestly, when he gets out, he's struggling. He used to force to make sure he's not fully crisp, but he still can't quite you know, get out. Because uh, uh, there's a bit earlier on where he's shown, obviously, that he's he's regaining his use of the force which he was struggling with mm. earlier in the season and Vader said to him your strengths remained but the weakness is still there and when he's under the rock he's thinking about you know he uses like sound clips from Anakin both yeah. as himself yeah. and as Vader but, and I think I think it's the idea of like maybe he's thinking about his feelings which is holding him back but also thinking about the future and what hope there is which is also the, the hope now is, is Luke and Leia so Obviously, there's more clips of Leia because we've seen more of her in this series. But he thinks about those two, and that's how he's able to get out. But I agree with you. Like going after the panels was a smart idea. There was a 
like also this is very similar to how Vader kind of snuck up on him in episode three of the series, but also like that much like in the last episode when they did the train, there was a bit where they do go back to back at one point. Yeah. It's uh, it's good stuff. It's a good fight. And um also as um everyone starts getting the hand on Vader, he um slashes his helmet and uh, that's something we've seen before, as I mentioned uh, earlier uh, in the uh, Ahsoka episode, uh, the Ahsoka, yeah, the Ahsoka duel in uh, Rebels. So mm-hmm. uh, a few sort of parallels, and I think that would, I think that would come after, wouldn't it, in canon? Yeah, I think uh, in canon it would. So it's more more foreshadowing than uh, a callback in uh, chronological order. Yeah, very much. And uh, uh, even though it's more of a like said, uh, flashback in terms of like, we're seeing it afterwards, but as I said before, as you said, uh, and also it was the other side of his face that mm. happened in the Ahsoka do. So like the idea of they've only seen one half of his face, whereas it was only until Luke took the, the helmet off before he died in episode six. <laughs> That you know we got to see his true face again, you know after all the years of under, being underneath the, the Vader helmet. Yeah, and just like um, they did in the um, episode of Rebels, they sort of splice um, Hayden's voice as Anakin with um, the you know the um, James Earl Jones voice of Darth Vader. So it's sort of uh, something in between the two. And then obviously his breathing equipment's been damaged because he's sort of struggling to breathe and wheezing a little bit as well, which we kind of got when his helmet was removed in uh, Return of the Jedi. So quite a few little good nods and references um, going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like yeah, that moment. And like the bit where he kind of just leaps off about the rock and that's when he kind of cuts it and then I was yeah, that's what made me sub because I because I remembered the bit from Rebels, uh, and like say Anakin's gone, you can hear more of Eden. Then when he says, "I am what remains," that's when you hear more of hear more of uh, James Earl Jones. Obviously, Obi Wan's real upset. He kind of apologizing Anakin because again, he still thinks it's all his fault. But what I thought was a very interesting choice here was uh, I'm saying you didn't kill Anakin, I did. Uh, which also, if you notice at that point, most of the light and the both of their faces are lit up by the blue of Obi Wan's lightsaber. But after he says that Anakin was killed by Vader, the uh, they're then lit by the red lightsaber. Obviously, Obi Wan doesn't want to continue this this fight. Uh, so I think that was quite interesting. And also, again, she was Obi Wan was correct when he said that thing to look at, and I knew what you know from a certain point of view. And also, a uh, all holds the use, he's still called a mannequin, but he leaves his cousin Darth, which is what he says to him at the start of their duel in it, and New Hope, where he calls him Darth there as well. Yeah, perhaps not wanting to call him Vader or um, Anakin anymore, so uh, he, he refers to him as Darth, and as you say, yeah, it sort of makes sense to why he sort of told Luke that. Um, Darth Vader had killed Anakin because that's basically uh, what Vader's told him himself. I thought it was quite a good effect, as you say, the 
the lighting of the different sabers and seeing just part of his face and exposing the mask of it. Well, it's quite sort of a, a sort of haunting visual as well. Quite un, quite unsettling in a way. I don't know if he felt that. It, it, it was, yeah, and you know, even without the scene, it was technically still true because by letting in, you know, letting himself become Darth Vader, you know, and they take letting mm-hmm. that dark side in, I basically killed off the good person that Anakin Skywalker pretty much was, even though he was still across lots of the Clone Wars and the prequels. You can tell he's still a flawed character as just Anakin the good guy, uh, letting that last bit of humanity go when he became Vader, pretty much, you know, pretty much killed him. Yeah. I would sort of, I would sort of agree with that. Kind of, it, it kind of goes back to um, Revenge of the Sith when um, he sort of put in the position where he has to sort of help the Emperor um, defeat Mace Windu. That that was kind of the point of no return, pretty much, and just to seal it. He's ordered to kill the younglings in the in the temple, so he, he pretty well, there's pretty much no going back after after those points. Yeah, yeah. Once you've killed a group of children, then you're pretty much you're a bad guy, and there's few things that can that can bring you back from from that point. And you know, it's like he's chosen to kind of you know Obi Wan's get accepted that it wasn't you know, really his fault, and. You know, he's left Anakin there, he knows where he is now. Uh, and also Vader can't really exactly chase him or contain much of the fight because he's struggling to even breathe at that point. So he's just shouting Obi-Wan's name into the into the void. Hmm. Yeah, as you said, not a lot he can do. And obviously everyone already thought he'd killed him before, so it's understandable that he can't bring himself to, to finish him off again. So it makes sense that he would just sort of leave him there. And on his flight back, he realises um, Luke's in grave trouble. So mm. uh, he hits warp drive and um, makes his way to Tween. Then we see him meet up with um, Owen and Peru. And um, they're not sure where he is because Luke's ran off uh, to escape Reva. So he's like, right, we'll have to search the the June Sands and, until we find him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do like the idea that basically the, the, the showrunners probably went like, okay, we've done that like, a very emotional scene. Uh, with Jack and Vera, like, oh shit, we've only got this amount of time of episodes. They have to like, we need to get him back. Oh shit, yeah, I remember they can do hyperspace in these ships. So basically, zoom Obi Wan right back. I don't know how far across the universe. Basically, like, like basically a fast forward to get Obi Wan back to where he was needed at that point of the episode. Yeah, he, got, he did get there pretty quick, so it must be a, a good hyperdrive on uh, on that little shuttle there. But um, we sort of see. Um, Luke sort of stumble in the dark, as I mentioned before. Reva sort of finds him, but um, and she sort of starts having, starts having flashbacks 
um, of various things that have happened. Uh, we see flash, sort of flashbacks of a religious temple, and um, as we said, Anakin was slaughtering the young ones, and uh, visions of Vader and other things that have happened within uh, this series. And she can't sort of bring herself to to kill Luke. Mm-hmm. And you kind of brings them, mm. yeah, brings them back, uh, uh, to, to like Owen and and they go away, and she kind of breaks down, almost crying, and it's Obi Wan who talks with her, and basically he basically tells her what you can care or to tell when she didn't choose to kill her. That basically she didn't want to become him, uh, she didn't want to become like Vader, and in a way he's kind of, by doing that, he's, she's honoured like those that Vader slaughtered, and basically like, you, you can basically be whoever you want to be now. Uh, and then there's that moment where she basically she then buries her lightsaber in the sand. Yeah, at first she's sort of upset because like because you know he's that's what's slaughter them all and I you know I couldn't avenge them I, I failed them and maybe one of the shows are that now by by showing mercy you, you've done what they you know you've done what they want you've you sort of honoured them by not by not killing him and as you said. Um, it tells her it's up to her now to to choose her own path. So mm. so maybe so maybe that's what could lead to what could people on about a Reva series. So maybe being she survived and she can do s- something else. Maybe that could be uh, the way you go for uh, a Reva series if you wanted to do one. What she does after. Yeah, it could be like she could basically do a similar storyline like. Uh, Tala did like saving one life for every life she kind of took away because even though she feels what uh, like she would try to get to Vader, she probably did kill a fair few people, both Jedi and otherwise, in order to get to the position she was at. Yeah, 100%. And maybe even the, the Inquisitors might go after her because she's you know a force sensitive person, not not so working for them, and then and they never liked her to be to be kept with anyway. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of characters from this series, like kind of signer characters like Hajestri and uh, and Roken that maybe you could you keep around as maybe she tries to work with those kind of people to again like make make amends for what she's done. Yeah, hundred percent. So maybe it'd be quite an interesting way to go if that's what they wanted to do, and um, so after that we sort of. Um, we get is it do we is it Obi do we see Vader next or is Obi Wan going to Alderaan? No, I think it's, uh, um, I forget which way around they occur now. I think it may be Alderaan, the Vader thing, and then uh, the stuff with uh, looking that back on Tatooine. So uh, maybe Alderaan next. Yeah, it doesn't matter too much. I mean, we've got if we got it the wrong way around, it's it still happens in the it's still the ending of the episode towards the end of the episode anyway. So yeah, uh, we see Leia getting getting ready to um, uh, meet some people or, or whatever they they do on older run, and she's not goofing around this time. She's getting herself ready and dressed. And she's even put her little blaster belt on as well. Uh, her mum comes in. It's time to get ready, and she stands there surprised because she she's already ready. Uh, I think she's learned a lesson from running away and uh, and her high jinks now. 
And she comments, is that a, a, a holster? And she goes, I love it. <laughs> so um, we see it sort of see a, uh, she's sort of similar, not exactly the same, but similar attire to what um, Princess Leia would wear at the start of a, a New Hope, which is quite cool to see as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely interested to see basically that, you know, like homage almost, and uh, basically mm. the idea of, like that's basically what she kind of wears and her kind of role on on Alderaan. And uh, yeah, her, she's on. She's asking her dad who they're gonna meet, and he says, "Oh, it's someone special or something." And it turns out it's it's Obi Wan. He's gone back to to see her one last time, and. Uh, to, to supposed to let her know she's all right and to return Lola back to her mm-hmm. possession as well. I so said they can't deprive a child of her droid. Yeah, so technically he didn't own that droid, so it has the mind he's, he's, he's keeping up his lie of never owning a droid. I'm not going to let that go. I mean, this does create one perhaps little plot hole that um, when Obi-Wan gets killed in the New Hope, Leia isn't as devastated as perhaps she should be if she went through all this with Obi-Wan and, 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 and knew him beforehand, unless she's forgotten by now. But uh, I mean, the, we see the one that may follow. There's ones if you try and look for them because, you know, you could say also the fact that the first reference that she has when she, like, yeah, yeah you can see also this adventure basically makes her know that she can uh, call Obi-Wan when she needs some in a new hope. But Vadici starts off by saying, you served my father in the Clone Wars, like, okay, you start off with that, and not the fact that, remember that time you saved me from Inquisitors? <laughs> exactly! <laughs> it's, it's almost as if, you know, all this, you know, it's almost as if, you know, George Lucas wrote that movie 40 odd years ago and didn't think there'd be that many movies and comics and series afterwards. It's like he never planned for this series, isn't it, 40, 40 odd years ago? What was he thinking? I'm, honestly, George... It's almost as if he didn't even know if Star Wars would be successful at all. They <laughs> <laughs> have already chose to like go on holiday with Steven Spielberg rather than go to the actual premiere of the film. And it was on that holiday he came up with Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's come, they've come up with some decent franchises between them, George Lucas and Spielberg, in, in fairness. Yeah. But... Um, just as long as George doesn't have too much control, he's always saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't go back starting to retcon um, uh, Indiana Jones, for Christ's sake. I think this, I think this thing could do with uh, some Jabba the Hutt being added in this Temple of Doom, <laughs> Temple of Doom <laughs> bit. <laughs> well, it looks better than whatever the fuck that alien was supposed to be at the end of the day. Crystal Skull. <laughs> No, that's a great film, damn it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so after that scene, uh, we think it's after this scene anyway, we get to see Vader back on the staff uh, with his um, armour all fixed and intact. And he's saying, we'll, we'll find Obi-Wan no matter, no matter what it takes. And uh, we see he's talking to the Emperor, who sort of gives him a little bit of a dressing down, sort of tells him, you know, perhaps your your loyalties are, 
oh, what they should be and this obsession with everyone is making you weak. But uh, he sort of doubles down on um, on his uh, loyalty to the emperor. Goes, no, you know, I'm I'm loyal to you, my master. Can't remember exactly lines of dialogue for this bit, but it, it was quite cool to to see um, Ian McDermott back as uh, Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. Even obviously for this just a little, little bit, like he was recorded easily and then just get it done. But yeah, it does as I mentioned. Uh, He's worried also about the obsession he has with Vader, and you know, Palpatine could turn on people that work for him, even his apprentice, like on a dime. So basically, trying to ascertain if like if Vader is distracted, and if he's distracted, then he's mm. weak, and obviously he can always be replaced. So basically, make sure that Vader is focused on whatever the Emperor wants him to do, because the Emperor's always got a plan. And so we'll get Vader's guess it's bang. Basically, says Obi Wan means nothing. Because uh, he does ask about. Obi Wan to the Emperor when he's asked, when he's there's a scene remember in, in Rebels where he says that I believe the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker still is and, and the Emperor says maybe she can be a settler Jedi and he references Obi Wan so basically the idea that he's the even though he secretly wants to he's not been able to uh, he's basically been told the Emperor not to pursue Obi Wan because he sees that's too much of a distraction for him over the years which is why they never met again until a new hope and probably probably. Explains why when as soon as Vader senses that basically Obi Wan's come to him, it's like, wait, I need to go find him. I need to go kill him because <laughs> he has that. Remember that scene with Tarkin where he basically tells him like, uh, like he tries to tell him no, he for soon goes like, no, I'll take him in myself. This is this is my chance. I I haven't broke I haven't broke my boss's commands. He's he's come to me. I haven't I haven't gone to him. <laughs> this is a loophole I've needed. <laughs> Basically, like waiting for his parents to go out so he can do that one thing that he's been asked not to do. And as the uh, the scene closes, we get um, the Imperial March playing, which mm-hmm. I don't think we've heard in this uh, series yet. So that was a uh, a nice little bit of fan service as well. Yeah, yeah. I think we like, we'd have like teases of it during the show, but I don't think we had didn't have the proper like you know Imperial March until this point. I think again. <laughs> The idea mm. that he he says that he's he's killed Anakin, Obi Wan's acknowledged him as as Darth Vader. He's basically leaving Obi Wan behind. They focus on whatever the Emperor wants him to do. So yeah, he's pretty much you know, taking his final step to fully fully becoming you know Darth Vader as we know him. So it's kind of fitting that he did you know they'd uh, cement it by playing that team song. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say perhaps the the fact that that. That theme plays is to cement the fact that he is now fully Darth, uh, mm-hmm. Darth Vader, and all remnants of Anakin until Luke uh, comes along have been um, maybe not thrown out altogether, but obviously shoved deep inside his psyche anyway. Yeah, we all know the best thing to do with emotions and feelings is push them all the way down inside. But all the, yeah, them all. That's it. <clears throat> <clears throat> Nothing could ever go wrong with that method. Nope. <laughs> but seriously, folks, don't bottle stuff up. <laughs> um, back on um, Tatooine, we um, we get um, Obi Wan on this little camel type thing again. He's um, going back to see Owen um, and Baru. I mean, sort of thought you were going to stay away. Um, 
Uh, Moby once sort of admits you're right. You were right all along. The best thing for Luke is just to to be a child, and um, he is um, better off with you. And I I will sort of stay out of the way, and um, yeah, I win sort of says, well, do you want to meet him? Uh, which is quite nice of him. So um, everyone goes up to Luke, and we just get. Uh, is catchphrase of all catchphrases. Hello there. He said it. He said the thing. <laughs> Say the line, Obi-Wan. Hello there. Yay. Uh, and that's it. That's all we get to see between the two. And we see Obi-Wan making his way back to his little cave. And we get the feel. I'll, I'll pass over now to Scott because he's been wanting this more than life itself. <laughs> yes. It takes a while to probably see it because of the, how bright it is when he eventually appears as a ghost. But, uh, you know, the, his first line could uh, also be summed up to what we were all thinking, waiting for him to show up. Uh, well, it took you long enough. But, uh, yeah, but he, Qui-Gon Jinn finally appears. All he had to do was say a few lines, and I said that would be it. And he only does say a few lines, basically. Oh, I was always here. You just weren't ready to see it. Oh, so I would have been burned by Vader in episode three. <laughs> I still wasn't ready. You could have just popped in anyways. <laughs> but yeah, as, as I said, it would be pretty much be right at the end of the, the episode. And he would say a couple of lines and the episode would end, which is pretty much what happened to be fair um mm. and he says yeah there's still a so he says it says there's still a ways to go so what well, could be teasing uh another season saying that perhaps but but yeah as you say um Qui-Gon Jim was there all the time but uh, as we say Obi-Wan just wasn't ready to see him perhaps because he was sort of um distanced himself from uh, the force since everything that had happened since order 66 so, and uh, now after facing off with Vader and having to embrace the force a bit more against um, so he was strong enough to defeat Vader uh, perhaps he's in tuned enough with it again to, to see his old master yeah yeah uh. I like you said, it leaves it very open ended in a way, but like where it's like you could have ended it, you could end it here. But if you did want to see season two, like Qui Gon's, like what's Qui Gon say at the end does kind of give you avenues mm. to explore. And then what does he really mean by like the way to go in and everything? But it does seem like Obi Wan's going out to live kind of further away from the from the like Lars family than he was before, which again he said goes to what Luke said. Oh, he lives out way in the middle of nowhere. He, you know where he's now got the reputation of being a bit of a bit of an old hermit. Uh, it's kind of also similar to a new hope in that you look at how the new hope ends. If you never did another Star Wars film, it is perfectly wrapped up. But you know they obviously did do another one. Yeah, as said, they sort of had to wrap it up because they, they didn't know it was going to be successful. And if he would have the the finances and backing to do a sequel, which uh, of course he did. But uh, yeah, perhaps that's the way you. That's that, that's your sequel series, uh, Obi Wan and Qui Gon deceased. Yeah, like Randall it, and Hopkirk. 
it's basically a fucking buddy cop series this like Obi-Wan <laughs> and, and Qui-Gon back together or like make it kind of like Dexter whenever Dexter had those scenes where he talked to his dead dad where McGregor's Dexter and you know I can't remember the name of the character that uh, name of his dad but you know that's what Qui-Gon is basically he's upon like oh are you sure you want to do that like why must you question every decision I do Qui-Gon and yeah, quite a bit. I may be incorporeal, incorporeal, but I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> oh, boy, you must come quick. So it's time to get your lights to out. A daughter has been taken. Fuck you, that was funny. I <laughs> <laughs> deserved more, more than what I got. But I, I'm used to being underappreciated. Sorry, sorry, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, man, the joke was right there. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> I didn't quite get it at first, but now, now I, now, now, now I'm there. Now I'm there. He says that. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so that's the end of Will Be One for now, or is it? Or is it the end always? Who knows? Yeah, um, I'd, I'd probably, I'd like them to resist the urge to to do another because it, it does worry me about canon and stuff but maybe they could um, work around it and do something interesting um, but uh, yeah I think we got everything we sort of hoped and, and asked for in this final episode and I thoroughly enjoyed it what would you give it as a score out of 10 Scott? I mean this, this is going to be another 10 here I mean, I, it fast-forwarded through some stuff that we really didn't need to see. It gave us enough, you know, again, you can question stuff if you want to, but I think for the most part, it was all wrapped up, and you can look at this now. You watch the episode three is this, and then, you know, I knew hope and see a very clear through line, and it all kind of, you know, fits into one, I think. Mm. So I, I, I would go so far as to say, maybe not my favourite, but one of my new favourite, you know, top lightsaber jewels was in this episode. I think that overall fight between Vader and and Obi-Wan may even be my top three uh, lightsaber jewels of all time. Yeah, it's got to be up there. It's it's really good. Um, I, I still think my favourite is probably still going to be the uh, Jewels of the Fates, to be fair. Just seeing that um, double-sided lightsaber for the first time. It was just awe inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing, be that thing. Maybe if I say that the other two ones that are like up there with me are probably that fight and the other Obi Wan Anakin fight from uh, from episode three, as in Revenge of not episode three of the series. Yeah, and of course, the uh, the one from A New Hope is obviously the best of all time. Oh, yeah, I mean. They were they were doing flips and all sorts in that one, buddy. Alec Guinness has never looked so good. He got a new hip for that specifically for that scene. I mean that that fight is like um, WWE in the mid eighties, uh, and um, the the what the duels we get now is like AEW. With, <laughs> the only thing that's missing was uh, Vader trying trying to Canadian destroy. Um, Obi Wan in between uh, lightsaber strikes. I mean, is that the new? Like, let me see. Say at the start of the duel, are you going to sell any of my moves, Obi Wan? I will do what I must. <laughs> <laughs> then you will be buried. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, really was literally at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, I agree. It's um, love the fact we got to see the Emperor, which I wasn't expecting. Obviously, we were expecting and hoping to see Qui Gon Jinn, so that was cool. We got that. We got some of the the lines. We got a great duel, and yeah, sort of seeing Vader with his mask. Um, broke open too was really cool so yeah it's 10 out of 10 for me i think as a, a series of a whole i'd have to give the the whole series 10 out of 10 i don't think it had a a duff episode really i think they all played a part even the one we weren't so keen on i still scored a seven uh, and all the others i think were pretty much tens or or nine at the lowest so uh, a really well constructed season i would say yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I've obviously gotten a lot of fans have been behind it, even though they maybe weren't into the, into the prequels all that much. Really enjoyed this series. Uh, I've seen one or two people say that the, the new best Star Wars trilogy is now Revenge of the Sith, this, and A New Hope. Yeah. Which, is, which is, as I said, jokingly, though, if you do actually watch all those things together, you get a really good uh, like through line. Unless you're Cody Rhodes, and then you probably still prefer the one everybody hates. Mm-hmm. But then he has a stupid tattoo, so you know what does he know? Yeah, I mean, he's he's very weird. He's got two tattoos. He started with one on his chest, that you can barely see, and then he went straight to the neck. He didn't he didn't work his way there. He just went straight to the <laughs> neck. <laughs> of all the places he could have done, I don't know why not the the neck. Why the neck? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, anything else you want to add before we get to our plugs? Uh, not really, no. I mean, it's been a hell of a, a ride talking about this, this series. I had obviously a lot of high expectations for the, the show. Wasn't expecting to have quite as much lay as we got, but you know, for the most part, she didn't really hinder the series at any point. The fact, the fact that she actually led to some, uh, some of the better kind of emotional beats of the show. Uh, with Obi Wan, because what she reminds her of, because we didn't even mention like the bit where he's talking to her, and he basically describes all like, all her attributes, which she got from her, her mother and her her father, and everything. Like they're both extraordinary people who bore an extraordinary daughter. So it was it was nice to see Obi Wan kind of gain, you know, you know, feel more like himself again in a way. She really helped that. Yeah, definitely. Um... Couldn't agree more with that uh, assessment. I've got nothing more much to add to that. To be honest, um, I think the next one. I'm. I mean, I'm looking forward to a few different things. But uh, I am really looking forward to um, the Ahsoka series. I think that could um, really expand on uh, what we how we saw um, um, Rebels end. And yeah. be cool to see characters like Ezra Miller brought to life. That we've been confirmed we're getting um, Sabine Wren, which would be cool. Uh, apparently, Hera will be featured as well by all accounts. And the droid, whose uh, name I've completely forgot, oh, Chopper. That's it. Yeah. No mention so, of the no mention of that um, big alien dude that was with yeah. them, though. No, apparently not. Uh, 
we should, we should mention, uh, we don't want everyone to get to come at you, Carl, but you said Ezra Miller, I think, like, I think it's Ezra, Ezra Bridger, like, Ezra Miller's, Sorry, a, whole yeah. different, Ezra Miller's getting, a whole different kind of worms. I was getting confused, yeah. Um, you better edit that out, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I think we can mention, I think it's an easy, easy, simple mistake, but like, you know, I've seen so many memes of like that woman from the boys who's always popping her head out, like joking, like, God, she's having a nightmare time dealing with Ezra Miller as the Flash, given everything that keeps coming out about that weirdo. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, he's... Uh, uh, I mean, I have a feeling that uh, Flash movie will never see the light of day unless they have to completely redo it or something. Literally. Looking first, Amber Heard, then him. These DC actors are really going off the rails now, aren't they? They are a bit, aren't they? Yeah. Jesus. Or what we're going to find out, buddy, next, buddy. If I were, buddy, Jason Moore Galgood, I'd try and keep a low profile for a little while. Or, and The Rock as well, because, you know, he's finally getting that Black Adam film coming out in a couple of months. So, last thing he needs is another bloody scandal to, to delay that any further. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully, we're safe with The Rock, but you just bloody never know, do you? DC seems to be a bit of a poison chalice. It does, it does at the minute, yeah. But uh, anyway, Scott, I think next we're going to move on to the boys, aren't we? So that'll be a, a fun rollicking time. <laughs> yeah, we we, uh, we did say that maybe next week we'd uh, take a quick pit stop, though, to uh, maybe look at Doctor Strange, because I think, I don't know if you'd seen it yet. And I haven't having, watched like, it, yeah. I'm off next week, so I was going to save it in case I get bored on my holiday to from work to have a watch but uh, I, I shall try and endeavour to get it watched so we can yeah. record something next week if you want yeah yeah I think it would be interesting when I talk, because I haven't watched it since I went to see it in the cinema so I'd be interested to watch it again and uh, you know, get your thoughts on it because uh, well, uh, I don't even want to give you any hints of what I've heard other people say about it because I don't want to wouldn't want to influence your <laughs> your mindset going into this. So, <laughs> as you say, I think it'll be a very interesting film for us to to, to discuss. But then, yeah, like, we've got this very heartfelt bloody story last, last six episodes of bloody Obi-Wan with, uh, with young Leia and then this film. And then it's going to be a big tonal shift, very much, when we have to go to the boys, basically after what the last couple of episodes have had in store for us. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> It's um, it's, it's certainly um, it's certainly something. The boys. It's a good job it's on a streaming platform because I'm not sure, uh, especially on British telly, it would uh, it would pass the censors and get broadcast. It would certainly be cut to ribbons by the time <laughs> by the time it got aired. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean. We like to do a little bit of recapping as we're going along with these reviews. And uh, there's going to be several sentences that I never thought I'd have to say out loud that I'm going to have to say over the course of describing the voice. Because basically, I think they've caught up to whereabouts. I think they've caught up to properly where a lot of the comic book stuff started. I mean, obviously, they've had stuff and storylines from the comics, like little bits of it here and there. I think they're properly you know, sticking to some stuff from the comics. Apparently, I've not read a lot of the comics, but... Basically, the comics are a bit weird, so basically this is where Eric Kripke, the curator, basically said, oh well, it's the third se- we've got two, three series, all bits are off now. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, we've run out of ideas, so we might as well just do the comex. <laughs> Very much, yeah. But, you know, I'm also looking forward to talking about Jensen Ackles as a, a soldier boy as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, um, yeah, and exploding penises, so it's all, all good fun. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, but, you know, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so, Scott, what, so, Scott, what other things are you doing outside putting it easy? Well, outside of talking about exploding penises, I'm uh, reviewing SmackDown from 20 years ago. Uh, me and Sam just did our last episode together uh, just the other day. It's out now. Uh, really, one of the better episodes we've actually ever done in terms of like the like other and episodes of SmackDown that we happen to cover. It's a really solid episode of SmackDown that week. Uh, but Sam will and I will basically be doing occasional wrestling things and he might be popping up every so often whenever we get to the pay-per-view editions of uh Retro Smackdown, but basically I'm back on the hunt for a new co-host. I maybe get a few guests in here and there, but uh, I'm back on the hunt for for a new co-host. I just I like that like that friend you know who's went through several boyfriends or girlfriends and never can figure out why they all leave her. You know <laughs> why do they all leave me? <laughs> Don't know, Scott. I mean, you're you're a lovely fella. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, other than that, you can check out Scott and Paul's Ramon podcast both on this uh, Google Binance feed and on its own feed. Uh, where recently we've been doing some Impact stuff. Uh, we've got a retrospective coming out soon about the European title, which is a lot of fun. And we've got some Fraser uh, stuff planned. And we're going to do some retrospectives, uh, both wrestling and otherwise, uh, over the next couple of months. You know, me and Paul don't always plan things out, but we've planned ahead for some, some very cool stuff that we're looking forward to doing. Uh, me, Carl, and Nathan, as the, the new A-Team, the A-Team 2.0, have got <laughs> together to see NXT 2.0, which we officially declared in a tournament that you can go back and listen to. That is the best new thing out there right now uh, that has ever been. Uh, we're going to create the next NXT 2.0 superstar, the next person to carry NXT 2.0, into the future, whether it's under Triple H or whoever else, the new face of XT 2.0. You're going to know, you're going to hear about them first on Rogue Opinions. Exactly, and that'll be the greatest gimmicks you've ever heard. <laughs> Absolutely, like I said, if it's um, and now getting together to record some uh, presents, I think we are planning on doing something later this week. Uh, potentially talk about you know Forbidden Door that's recently just happened, so. If you're into your AEW stuff and uh, you don't think they and you do think they you think they do sell, unlike Carl seems to at fair of nowhere during this episode, uh, you can <laughs> check that out. <laughs> I'm sure Carl will love to be on that shoot of it. Oh, them and these Japanese guys—they don't sell anything either. Just keep hitting each other; nothing matters. I miss the days where you just have a headlock for forty minutes. <laughs> I quite like the Japanese wrestlers, actually. So there. <laughs> oh well, you've you've really made me a fool, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's all my plugs. Yeah, uh, I haven't got many more for than uh, just to reiterate that um, uh, the new A team or A team two um, where obviously uh, my NXT character will be the best. Um, 
you can check out um, Guns and Devils of Me and Liam, although we won't be recording one um, just yet. Perhaps we might do one to preview the the season uh, just before that starts in a month or so's time. Um, hopefully me and Nathan might be able to get together and do a Wimbledon um Review after that, um, after that ends, which is currently in session now. I've actually got Andy Murray on my TV screen as we record this, and uh, yeah, that's probably about it for the time being on my side of things. So, um, yeah, just like trying to look after Anakin Skywalker's kids, pudding <laughs> ain't easy. <laughs> Uh, may the force be with you. Bye bye. <laughs>